Hi, welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Lippman. I'm joined as always by Emily Cannell and Dan Volpone. I ask you, Dan, first. Dan, if you had to give up one of these things for the rest of your life, what would you give up? A, dessert. B, alcohol. What do you choose? Dessert. I don't even eat that many desserts. Really? Not a dessert yeah. guy? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like the healthier choice would be alcohol. I feel like it makes it, it makes it sound bad to say I'm not giving up alcohol. Like, well, it depends on what you indulge in more and what you enjoy more. I, I, I'm just not really a dessert guy. Like it wouldn't be that much to give it up. Like if you said like breakfast or alcohol, I'd give up alcohol. You know what I mean? Because I love breakfast. It's not, it's more of a dessert thing than an alcohol thing. Yeah. You're just not a huge dessert guy. Yeah. Now, are you counting candy in that? Like, would that change the calculus yeah. at all? No, I just like, I, I like some candies, but I don't eat a ton of candy. And like, occasionally there will be a dessert I like, but like, I don't, I feel like I don't really, I don't need it. You know, like, it's like, eh, it's, just, it's, it's, what do you call that? It's like expendable, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Emily, same question to you. Uh, you have to give up one of these items, dessert or candy. Nope. Dessert or alcohol. What do you give up? I would give up alcohol. Oh, interesting. Tell me why. Um, I love dessert. I like could never give up ice cream in my entire life. It's like one of my favorite foods. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it just, I just couldn't do it. Like I, I crave dessert like every night. I don't have it every night cause we don't always have stuff. But like if I could eat ice cream every night, I would, um, I just love dessert and I'm getting old and I can't drink that much anymore anyways. So, uh, I would love to ask you this question. Do you believe if you took this swap, would you get into other narcotics or mind altering substances? Would you start crushing up Adderall? Would you get into marijuana? Uh, would you become a cocaine person? What would you get <laughs> If we don't say narcotics, we say opioids. No, we don't. We, those are, I'm watching Dope Sick. Don't do that. Dope Sick is so good. Narcotics is a legal term. Yeah. But aren't opioids only like opiates? Like yeah. cocaine is not an opiate. It's like a no. benzo or something. Yeah. yeah, it's a different kind of drug. Yeah, well, no, the answer it's is no. A, I don't benzo. think I would get <laughs> Um, I don't know. I've never done cocaine. I don't know what it does. Not interesting. Um, not, no, thank you. No, I've never, I've never been a weed person. I'm not, I'm not, I, like I said, if I haven't done it by now, I'm not going to do it. I'm, sure. Like I'm old, so. Well, good to know. These Sixers have won six games in a row, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, this week they beat Houston, Orlando, and, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, not exactly a murderer's row, but you play who's on the schedule and don't ask Doc Rivers about whether or not they're winning easy games in an easy way. Um, they won six straight. Uh, the first thing I think to talk about, Dan left the room. He's hopping. He looked like he was like dancing. Is he happy about something? I don't know. Um, (laughs) six is a one, six straight. Um, he's back uh they uh they're looking really good it's fun to see them win a bunch of games they won six straight and i believe are now six games over 500 the number one thing to talk about here is that joel is playing really 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 well um is he playing as well as he played last year when he was second in the mvp voting uh nba.com put out their like mvp ladder and joel was fourth in this right now and he is now like in sort of the thick of the mvp conversation the sixers are now uh, you know, right around fifth, uh, I think a game and a half out of fourth in the uh, Eastern Conference standings right now. 
um, it's so fun to watch him play well again. And, and, you know, since he came back from COVID, he's just looked really incredible. He's had, I think, six straight games of 31 points or more. Uh, his passing has been incredible. That, that's like the leap this year for him so far has been his improved passing. And obviously with Ben no longer a sixer uh, in any meaningful way, he's had to, you know, find his teammates better. And he's really done that. Um, so, you know, this week they had those three wins. We can talk a little bit more specifically about them, but just overall, Joel uh, looking incredible and, and playing his way back into the MVP conversation. Dan, any thoughts about Joel this week and, and overall him playing his way back into MVP talks? Yeah, I mean, he's been great. I think, you know, he's basically back into last year's form right now. Although, you know, I wouldn't say he's having as good of a year because he wasn't as good to start the year, but he's definitely had a pretty sustained stretch now where he has been as good, uh, which I don't think is too surprising. Like, I, I didn't think that, like, last year was some anomaly and it was the best he had to, to give and he couldn't do it again. Um, he's shooting the ball really well. His shot looks like it's back. Um, they're running the offense through him constantly, uh, which is he's been really good at. He's honestly picked up on a lot of the things that Ben used to do for him. He's gotten a lot better in transition. He's gotten a lot better passing the ball. Um, and the team has been playing better. They haven't been playing the toughest teams, but uh, I mean, they really didn't play the toughest teams last year. I feel like they barely played any tough games all of last year because every team had, you know, guys out or it was a weird year. So I, I don't think that, I don't think that it's fair to say, you know, well, they haven't played anyone when to, to take away from how well he's played and kind of the new things he seems to have added to his game. Uh, and then the other big thing for Joel this past week was in the Spurs game, he just dunked everything. Like it was so cool. He, he has so many dunks. I, I feel like we're not used to seeing him go up for so many contested dunks. Usually if he's contested, he won't go up for a dunk. And sometimes he does, um, but you don't usually see him do it over and over and over in a game. Uh, so that was new. I liked it a lot because I think, uh, you know, it's a really high percentage play. You're either going to get fouled or you're going to, you know, make it or hopefully you don't get hurt on the play. But um, I, I think that he was like really aggressive going to the rim, which I loved and has become, you know, as a, as a, as a creator and as a, as a transition player, which the Sixers have lacked really stepped up in the last few weeks in a way that I think it's like, we've kind of seen him building towards this. We've seen him try to add, you know, passing out of the double and, and he just looks so comfortable now when they they're sending the double every time. And they've been for like two or three years and he's, his turnovers are down. His assists are up he shoots over the double like it's nothing like he might as well not be doubled at times like he's still he's so he looks so comfortable there in a way that you know I don't think he quite did like even last year I think that you know he he looks more comfortable making quick decisions before the double came or you know passing out quickly but not passing not you know looking off the defense and then finding you know a truly open player or um, like a guy in position to score um, I just and and his passing like is not just creating more for guys, but he's, he's not throwing the ball away as much. He's not like trying to dribble through the double and get it taken from him as much, just like all around has just looked a lot better. The things that used to be clear weaknesses for him. Uh, it's yeah, he's been, he's been great. Yeah. And uh, people have talked about his, his moments as a leader. Um, obviously this, this whole season has been, 
the Ben thing has been looming over it. And I think Joel has handled that so well. Like he's had, he's sort of put his head down and worked through it and, and has said the right things. You know, Ben gets thrown out of practice and Joel speaks up and he, he will talk shit in the moments where I feel like he can't hold it in anymore. And I think he has every right to. And he's had these moments after games like he had with Maxi, and, and after this one, he found Matisse a bunch of times under the rim. And he also was telling Matisse to shoot more threes and encouraging him in that way, which I love. Um, uh, he's just, he's, he's been really excellent. Uh, it's been so fun to watch him. Emily, uh, what have you thought this week of Joel and, and like, you know, him playing his way back into, uh, you know, last year where it's like, you don't know that you're ever going to get another, peak like that from from Joel because sometimes guys have years like that 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 they never reach again so what do you think of it yeah I think it's really impressive and I think I think it took him a little bit to play back into shape after um he had COVID but I think he's fully back and if he can keep this up um I definitely think he has another MVP campaign on his hands um I was looking at the odds last night which I right now he's plus four thousand which I think is like crazy um like DeMar, De, he's like DeMar DeRozan is ahead of him, which is weird. I mean, I know he's playing well in Chicago, but he's not better than Joel. Right. Um, and then like the usual, like I think Steph is the favorite, which isn't surprising. And then the rest is like Giannis, Jokic, same old, same old. I don't think that either of them at this point are putting together like a massive campaign. Um, so I think that there's like good value there if anyone wants to bet it. At the beginning of the season, he was plus 700. So now he's like kind of played himself out, but I think he's going to play himself back into the odds. Um, so he's just been really impressive, especially in December. His numbers are crazy. Um, the Sixers are winning. They're fun to watch. I've been enjoying the games a lot. Yeah. Um, the first game of the week against Houston on Monday uh, was most notable for the Tobias against the fans back and forth. Um, this you know, the Sixers had a very classic first half against a Houston team that is trying to lose every game they possibly can. Um, and, and they didn't even have the guys on the team who are somewhat good, like Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood, who were suspended for the game. And uh, the Sixers were just fucking around, like, sort of losing the game. And, like, the game was never really in doubt, but the fans are watching them fumble away the game. Joel was the only Sixer playing well and trying. And Tobias was missing everything by, like, five feet, and he was getting booed. Um, and Tobias is in the middle of a bad season, and he's getting paid a lot of money, and the fans are in the crowd, and fans paid money to see the game, and the fans are upset, and they're booing him. Now... It's, of course, not fun to be booed uh, as an athlete. So Tobias uh, heard some loud boos after he missed a shot to go three for 10. And then he gestured to the fans to boo him more. Uh, he sort of put his hands out so as to egg them on. Now, this is during the middle of a play. Like, Sixers got an offensive rebound, but Tobias is busy putting his hands, egging them on to boo him more. So then uh, Tobias... Uh, in the second half, when the game was in hand, uh, Tobias backed somebody down and and scored a sort of turnaround jumper, and a missing a wide clapped. open pass to Andre Drummond on the play. Yes, the, the, Tobias scored, and then a couple fans clapped, and Tobias said, "Don't fucking clap, don't fucking clap." This is a bad day. Tobias was having a bad day at the office, and uh, it was just rough. It was it was you know it was not a, not a good day. Um, 
he uh, he did not speak to reporters after the game. I don't know that they requested him. Tobias is generally very good about uh, speaking to the media. So I do not know that he declined to speak to them or anything, but he, he uh, did not comment after the game. Then they played uh, against Orlando. Tobias had a, a much better game. They asked him about that. Um, and Tobias had some very good quotes. I was worried that it was going to become like a fucking two-week shit fest between Tobias and the fans. And it wasn't because he, I think he was able to like decompress a little bit and, and figure it out. Um, he said, I don't want anybody to get it twisted. I love our fan base. With praise, you also have to be willing to take criticism as well. I don't think anybody in that arena is harder on me than I am on myself. I want to play the greatest basketball I can play. Uh, I play my ass off daily to get to that point. Nobody died. I just got booed. Um, sure. I think those are good quotes. I think that fans, you know, we, we've talked about this, so we don't have to spend a lot of time here. Fans are completely entitled to boo, boo players. Uh, don't say shitty things. Don't write mean tweets. Just you're allowed to boo if you're in the stadium. Um, Tobias is certainly entitled to not enjoy being booed. Um, but and uh, entitled to say don't fucking clap. <laughs> listen, but listen, Tobias, if you tell him don't clap and don't boo, you're not giving him many options. So you got to tell him what to do. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I think that he was venting frustration and he, you know, I, I, I totally get it. And, you know, he was having a fucking shitty day and, and we've all had bad days and he's in the middle of a, a rough year. So I, I get it. And he had a much better week this week and, um, you know, good on him for having better quotes. And, and I was happy to see that he, um, you know, you know, ha had some good quotes about it. Uh, you know, people know how we feel about this. Emily, do you have any anything to add on this? No, I think it was fine. I it doesn't like bother me. It doesn't. I like I honestly like him like getting fired up and being like, I don't want any of this from any of you. Like you, you know, you boo me at my worst. Don't clap for me at my best. Also, just like I suck. Don't clap it for me. Like, I don't know which way it was coming from either way. I love it. Um, and he played better at the next few games, like the other games this week. He was pretty good. Tobias bothers me less than he bothers you guys. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shit on Tobias for passing, for giving up like a wide open pass to Drummond on a basket that he made. Like, if he made the basket, I don't really give a shit. Um, but that's just the way I look at it. This I'm like kind of like Doc Rivers in that way, you know, if we win the game, I don't really give a shit. Um, yeah, I'm fine with it. I like a fire. I like a fire game. I like something. I like it. I don't care. Yeah. Um, I, I will say the, the issue, somebody else pointed this out uh, after the Monday game, like when Tobias's shots aren't going in, he doesn't end up doing like when Simmons, you remember him, when Simmons would have a bad, when Simmons would have a bad game from the field, he would get assists and he would play really good defense all the time and get loose balls and stuff like that. That would in general help the way the team was playing otherwise and Tobias just in general doesn't do those things that help when his shot isn't going in so I think that makes him an easier target because it's pretty binary is his shot going in or is it not which makes it just much easier to pick on him you know yeah so it, and it's, I, it's a lot easier to to it, you know it's harder to just make the shots that he takes which are tougher shots you know I feel like the mindset is like slightly different too because Tobias 
on paper like should be dependent on scoring for so much but not like in compared to Ben where like he's also dependent on for defense and like assists and stuff so if you're in the mindset of like I should score and you're not scoring then I think you don't go to like oh well what are the other things that I do well like fuck I should what you're saying is he sucks (laughs) and like no but like (laughs) Ben Simmons is like known for his defense. Tobias Harris is not known for his defense. Not all basketball players are known for their defense. So like yeah. if you're have these two facets of your game that you're known for, and there are plenty of players like uh, Steph Curry that are known for their offensive Steph Curry's like shot isn't, well, he's like the best player in the NBA. So that's different, but whatever. Like Ben can be like, okay, I'll fall back on my defense. I can make like a contribution that way. But if you're known for being a scorer, or like that's what your bread and butter is supposedly supposedly is you're gonna want to score the basketball and then the more you miss the more frustrated you get yeah um Dan you're you're on the record with Tobias here anything else on on the back and forth Monday and then Tobias's quotes on uh whatever it was Wednesday I mean I just I just want to say I I I agree with some things that Emily said I disagree with some others um I agree I don't really care that much uh i think it's pathetic i'll say that like i'm judging for it but i'm not like offended by it like it's whatever um the the thing with like tobias emily's point about tobias like showing some fire like i would love if just once he would show some fire towards the other team and like dive for a loose ball and like you know get excited at a big moment in the game not just because the fans are 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 upset at him like the only time we've even really seen him show much fire is directed towards the fans in all of this season um I agree his quotes after the Orlando game were like as I guess they were fine you know what I mean like they were I think you know they were well said and they were he's allowed to I I view it as a mistake personally I think it was dumb what he did um and he's allowed to make mistakes it's not the end of the world um I was happy to see him have a I what I think was a really good game in San Antonio which maybe we'll get to later um, you know, I didn't have any issue. It's not like I was rooting against him. You know what I mean? Like I was rooting for him. He played well. It was, you know, there was no, I was, I was, I was moved on. You know what I mean? It wasn't the end of the world or anything. Um, I just thought it was like a dumb thing to do. I, I don't really admire it because I, I think that we don't see enough. Um, I don't think we see enough like passion from him at, at certain parts of the game anyway like when his shot has been off and he's just like not like I don't I don't really care if he's not known for his defense like go take a charge if you're playing like like step up do something else to help your team it can't be and especially it can't be like you there can't be so many games as there have been this year where it's like okay Tobias is clearly on the floor because he's making 35 million dollars this year and like Doc would have like taken someone else out of the game by now Whereas like, yes, his shots off, but like he's giving you nothing else. If you're giving us nothing else, your offense can't be off half the games. And like, I just, I I don't know. I think it was dumb. I didn't like it. I didn't respect it. I respect his, you know, basically apology. And I, like I said, it didn't offend me. I just thought it was really dumb. And it bothers me more as like a player where it's like, why is this what you're thinking about? In the middle of a basketball game, in a fairly close game, you're going at it with the fans. You're not upset at yourself or your teammates for playing close against this awful team in a game you need to win. 
uh, because you can't drop those kind of games when you got, you know, Joel missed so much time early and you're, you know, the sixth seed at that point, you have to win the games you should win. And I don't think it's acceptable for you to lose focus. And that's basically what Dan Burke said after the game, which is, you know, our focus can't be the referees. Our focus can't be the fans. Our focus has to be, um, you know, on our own play and our accountability has to be towards ourselves. It can't be, well, the fans were doing this or the refs called this. And I totally agree. And I think it's basically, you know, in the moment, a lack of taking personal accountability for his terrible play. Um, I think that his statements afterwards prove that that was just in the moment. I don't, I think he is taking accountability for his play in general. I don't mean to blow it up more than anything, but, but when I look at what happened, that's what it is to me. And I don't respect any part of it. I just like, and it's not a Tobias thing. I mean, Julius Randle did the same thing. I didn't respect that either. Right. Another guy who's not a Sixers guy who has played bad this year, who, you know, is yelling at the fans. I, I, I think it's dumb. He had to apologize too. And I, I, all I think it shows is that your, your, your fire, your, your passion, your focus, your energy is all in the wrong place. Did Randall, did Randall walk that back officially? Yeah, he made an, an Instagram post that was uh, honestly a lot less, um, I found it to be a lot less thoughtful than to, what Tobias had to say after the Orlando game. I thought it kind of fell a bit flat, whereas I thought that Tobias had a pretty good, uh, shared some pretty good thoughts after that Orlando game. What did he say? Actually, Drew, we have Drew uh, <laughs> on our podcast with us. Drew, can you, when you get a chance, just look, look up Julius Randle's post. For people who are listening, Julius Randle, in their game against uh, uh, Brooklyn, was it? The no, no, the Celtics. He was playing really badly and was getting booed, and he he made a big bucket, and then he did a thumbs down. Now, if you remember the Mets season, Javi Baez and uh, Lindor started do- giving thumbs downs to the fans. But, and had been doing it for, like, weeks before anyone asked them why they were doing it. And then, and it was and then once they said it was the fans, had to apologize. To say, fuck, to, like, to say fuck the fans. And they asked Julius Randle, what did you mean by the thumbs down after the game? And Julius Randle said it, it was for the fans. It meant shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's like, why would you say that? So, so Drew, what did, what did Julius Randle say in his Instagram post? So it was the better part of, like, four paragraphs. Um, a lot of it is, is repeating the same stuff. I see the support means the world to us. Oh no. Um, I understand that my actions represent the league, the organization. My comment was an example of how sometimes you say things you regret to people you love, even if it came from a place of passion and deep love. Uh, nobody wants to win more than me, and I will continue to show loyalty and dedication to my teammates, the entire Knicks organization, and the fans who have shown me and my family so much love. Uh, I'm going to keep focusing on the future. Thank you. Go Knicks. Remarkable. Thank you, Drew. Uh, that's great stuff. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Um, all right. I feel like we've covered the uh, Tobias thing, unless, uh, unless you guys have anything else. Um, Matisse went back into protocols for a few days and then he came back out. He, he talked about being frustrated by the way the league has uh, sort of ping-ponged with the protocol rules. Now it's, I think, five days. I, don't, I can't really keep track. The CDC has also changed up the, the rules to try to get people back to work. Um, and Maxi is now in protocols and he shouldn't be in those for too much longer. B-Ball Paul is in protocols and he's grabbing boobs on his Instagram. He's very busy. 
Um, what else do we have? Uh, oh, a guy named Charlie Brown Jr. is on the Sixers now. He uh, made a layup. He seems like a lot of fun. He's got fun hair. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention Joel won Player of the Month uh, as part of the Joel MVP campaign. We're going to take a quick ad break. We'll talk about Doc. We'll talk about Ben Simmons, and uh, we'll, we'll wrap up. Here's the ad break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We're back. Dan Burke finished his coaching stint, an undefeated either 2 or 3-0. and uh, They asked Furkan Korkmaz about Dan Burke. Um, he said, I don't know anybody on the team who doesn't like him. It's hard to create it as a coach because sometimes coaches are in our asses. Now that's coaching. (laughs) That's, that's hands-on. And he's a defensive coach. He's even more. It's hard to create that love and respect at the same time. Emily, did you enjoy the Dan Burke era? Yeah, I thought the Dan Burke era was great. Um, Parts of me like the Dan Burke era more than the Doc Rivers era, but (laughs) that's okay. I mean, I think, I hope Dan Burke gets a chance to be a head coach sometime soon because we're not getting rid of Doc anytime soon. So certainly not. Um, Dan, Doc is, uh, Doc is back and and, uh, Emily, you can come in on this too. One thing that he did is that he went to, I think, against Orlando, uh, a small spurt of Joel and Andre Drummond minutes. And I know that you were a big proponent of this. You were very excited by it. It worked very well. They, they won those minutes in a big way. Um, what did you think of it? Yeah, I got, well, I just thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, I wouldn't do it, you know, regularly or anything. Um, but I think... You know, it wasn't just Embiid and Drummond. Like, that was obviously the most notable part of it. But it was also, like, the rest of the lineup was, I think, Furkan, Yang, and Harris. So it was, like, everyone was at least 6'7". It was, like, back to those Raptors days. Uh, well, in the Raptors series, when we'd be running those massive lineups. It was, uh, like, the really tall lineup with uh, Joel and uh, Josh Richardson and Al Horford. <laughs> those really yeah, big for lineups. a while we used to run those huge lineups and now we kind of with Ben gone Maxie's always starting Seth is smaller so we've right. been away from that but yeah it is kind of like what we had um for a, kind of a while that didn't really work um but I I loved it I, I thought it was I feel like there are definitely you know against certain teams that tend to play bigger that is a playable lineup 
Um, I think that there's enough passing between Embiid and Drummond. I think there's enough perimeter defense against teams that have weaker perimeter players with Embiid and Drummond. I think that it really helps with the lack of rebounding. Um, having centers um, guard, having Embiid guarding centers really freed up Drummond to just be aggressive for defensive rebounds, which I really, really liked. Right, because uh, they were getting killed on the boards against. Orlando. Well, they have the entire year. All the time. Um, yeah, and. And I think that's an area where they where they do really miss Ben. Um, but I, I I thought it was fun, and I I wouldn't like make it a regular part of the rotation, which I know it won't be. Um, but I like that it was tried. I'm not shocked that it you know worked in the right situation. I I trust Doc to to you know you know every ten games find the right situation for something like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if it were tried out in the playoffs. To be honest, like I wouldn't try it out for ten minutes. But I would try it out for, you know, two minutes, uh, you know, and get a, a really weird change of pace. And um, it, I think it gives you some things. I, I don't think it's like a like I said, it's not something you do often, but I thought it was a lot of fun. I really like. Yeah. Emily, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I thought it was fun, too. I mean, I would like to I think there are definitely like times and places where it can be used effectively. I thought that Doc deployed it well and I wouldn't hate seeing it again. Um, the week of Ben Simmons rumors, uh, I believe first friend of the podcast, Sam Amick, uh, reported that Sacramento basically is holding no one dear, uh, Tyrese Halliburton and, uh, Darren Fox are, uh, on, on the table. Uh, if we want them, we can have them. Uh, Kyle Newbeck, uh, Philadelphia reporter basically followed that up and said, uh, Sixers don't want, uh, Darren Fox. Um, and that they like Halliburton, but but basically he's not the caliber of player that they want, which I I think that they should reevaluate that. I think that he is like really good. He's young. He's not on a bad contract and that like they could trade for him, be very good. And then if they need to make a second move this summer, he would be incredibly attractive to other teams. Uh, what do you guys think about Halliburton? We've, we've talked about this before, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. But like now that we seem to have heard uh, from a reliable guy that Halliburton is on the table, um, do you guys have uh, – would you guys be interested – obviously, we just want this to end. But, uh, Emily, are you interested in Halliburton for Simmons? Yeah, I agree with you. I think he is pretty good. I like to watch him play. I think he's a fun player. Um, also like half the time players I like, it's just like, who do I like to watch play, whether they're like a fit or not does not concern me. Um, whether they'll be good on the Sixers doesn't concern me right now. I really just want someone I can, I like, and that is not Ben Simmons. Those are my main criteria. So Tyrese Halliburton fits the bill. Check, check. Dan. Yeah, I I would, um, I'd be really happy with Halliburton. I think that you're getting a, a very good passer, a very good three-point shooter uh, for, you know, a team that kind of needs a, a bit of a bigger guard to be able to mix into the rotation. Um, he's like not bad at anything. And I think there's a real chance that like Halliburton on his rookie deal with what he gives you with, you know, potentially having played in a played well in the playoffs. Maybe. I mean, I think Joel makes things easier on a lot of these guys just played in the playoffs at all at his age. Um, I think that, you know, he makes the Sixers better. And there's a real argument that with everything I just said, when we get to the off season, if Ben hasn't played in a calendar year and your option is between 
a guy on a match who hasn't played in a caliber year or a guy on a rookie deal who's, you know, not showing any glaring weaknesses and is, right. you know, playing, playing well for, you know, in the playoffs for in meaningful games. Like if you're worried about, well, what if Harden becomes available? Like maybe they probably prefer Halliburton and with Halliburton, you're getting one of Heald or Barnes back basically, because you, know, you have to make the salaries work. Um, I would do that deal yesterday, but I understand the Sixers are kind of holding out. I think that's a deal where if you don't have anything better, you can't turn that down at the deadline. Um, we'll see what Daryl does. I don't think Daryl would um, because of some of the things I just said. I hope I'm right because I can't take this anymore and I can't take not trying to win this season with how, how good Joel's looked. And we've talked about, we've talked about it here and we all agree that he's, you know, he's been phenomenal and is, is doesn't need to be said that we all think that he's good enough to be the best player on a championship team. Um, and, you know, I would love to see them make some kind of move to, to make that possible. And I think that Halliburton makes them, I think Halliburton is a move for, that makes them better short-term and gives them better options long-term. I really do. I, I would not understand passing that up past the deadline. And it's, and it's to me, like we're a month, basically exactly from the deadline. So like, it's fine. If, Dar- if Daryl wants to leak to the media that like, they really like Halliburton, but he's not good enough a month away. Like that's fine. I get it. You, you want to play the game now? That's fine. But if it's February 11th and they turn down Halliburton and healed or Barnes for Ben, I'll be losing my goddamn mind. It's like, what are we actually doing here? Who do you actually think Simmons is? around the league that you're turning down a guy like Caliburton, like in this situation, like that's the deal. Like that's more than enough. Um, okay. Jason Dumas sort of swing and missing here for a while. Uh, we'll see what comes of this one, but uh, he said uh, there's nothing in imminent or wait, sorry. The first one source, not sure. Daryl Morey has broadened his, scope for potential targets as he looks to trade Ben Simmons. He had been adamant on only trading Ben for a select few players. I'm told there's now a list of 25 guys he'd accept straight up or in a package. Now you may be saying a few months ago, we heard about a 30 player list. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly what, what the delay is here. Uh, he said, there's nothing in, imminent, but that people should buckle in and this could go on for four years mindset is long gone. Joel Embiid has not put any added pressure on the front office to get a deal done. He just wants a guy who will embrace Philly and has a desire to be there. Sure. I just, I choose to believe that even though there hasn't been much uh, that seems legit out of there. Um, And then also Mark Stein, uh, uh, reported that it was suggested to him uh, this week by one league source to keep an eye on Atlanta as an emerging suitor for Philadelphia's Simmons. Now, is there anyone or a package of players from the Hawks? Now, it would be very funny, of course, if uh, we trade Simmons to the Hawks. Um, anybody from the Hawks that you especially want? Oh, and to aggregate uh, Brian Windhorst today, he said that uh, basically the Timberwolves have offered every permutation of picks and players except for uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. So uh, any interest in the Timberwolves package without Towns and Edwards uh, and any interest in a Hawks package? Uh, Emily, what do you think? Um, Not like directly off the top of my head. 
can I think of any one that I would just like really like to have? Um, that's not to say that there's not anyone that I would like to have just off yeah. the top of my head. I can't think of anyone. Like John Collins on the Hawks is really good and would be excellent next to Joel, but you need to figure out what to do with Tobias because both of those guys are fours and I don't want either of them playing three. Um, so I don't really know that you can make that. And I still think that either way you need a guard. Um, like an, a perimeter initiator guy. So I don't, I don't know that there's a real workable, you know, but Don, like I, you get into an area there that I don't know that there's a, a one for one deal there. Dan, I know you love Collins, um, especially in Philly. A anything else on Atlanta or uh, Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, I think Collins would be really good with Joel. He's you know, a true four. He's a great athlete. He's a really good, really good shooter, really good shooter. Um, and I think he would be fun. Like, I think he's a fun guy next to Joel. I have a hard time saying that I'm going to go into the off season with no one just because or going, I'm sorry, going to the, the playoffs with no one, just because a guy's a weird fit with Tobias, but is like definitely better than Tobias and a better fit with Joel. And like, I don't know, figure something else out with Tobias. Like, bring him off the bench, trade him. I don't really care. Play him at the three. And even if that's weird, like I just have a hard time passing up a guy who I think really works with Joel figure out Tobias later when he only has two years left on his deal. Maybe that's easier. I don't know. Um, I just, I would be very excited if they got John Collins with, you know, I'm not sure exactly if that's what they're looking for. I have a feeling it's probably not because of those concerns, but for me, it's like, I would take him in a second. Um, for the Timberwolves package, I mean, it's obviously not super exciting to just go get picks, but um, I would I would take picks. I think that's a lot of picks to offer for Ben, and I don't think Ben makes Minnesota's picks that bad. I mean, we're already going to be halfway through the year. Um, I think the picks will still be, you know, pretty decent picks, even though Minnesota hasn't been, like, dreadful this year. Um, like – and they've just had so much weird stuff happen. They've been bad for so long. I think that like those picks long-term have value around the league. Um, I would, I would take it um, at the deadline. If you really can't get players who are going to contribute, uh, there's just no way, like I said, if it's me, there's no way I'm taking Ben past the deadline. I'll get, give me Pat Beverly and every single pick you have, honestly, or like it, what it sounds like, it's like D'Angelo Russell would be on the table too, with all those picks, which, you know, we've talked about this before really not a Russell guy. I've never been a Russell guy, but like a guard who can kind of do stuff, put him next to Joel. Joel probably makes him better and it's better than having no one. It'll be good guard depth. He has had a good year. Yeah. Yes. So sure. I mean, again, not taking Ben past the deadline, especially if you know, you have all those picks on the table. So. Um, Birds made the playoffs because of us. Um, their likeliest opponent right now, is Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. Um, just going to ask you flat out, do the Eagles go into Tampa Bay next weekend and get a win? And Emily, will you and Jordy be watching from sunny Jamaica? So two-part question. Will you guys be watching from Jamaica? And what time will that be there? And do they win? I think That's it's the same time. That's <laughs> a three-part question. Oh, is I it think, the same time? I'm I think so. It's not a long flight. It's like Drew. a three-hour flight. <laughs> These are the things. True. What time is it in Jamaica right now? <laughs> um, I think we would probably watch it 
if it's available in Jamaica, I'm not sure what the television situation is like like there. Okay. Um, but we're pretty uh devoted and at the all inclusive, I'm sure we can enjoy beers at the bar yeah. while we watch the game. So that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Um Jamaican time is the exact same as perfect. Eastern time zone. Love it. Thank you, Drew. There we go. So we will be awake, hopefully. Do you think it is it going to be like a day game? Is that what, what you think? I think probably. I think uh, Kemsky was saying it's likely a Sunday day. Ah, uh, so then it's questionable. I might be on the beach. Got it. But I will check in on my phone. I think there's Wi-Fi. So mm-hmm. I was I at the game think- last night and it didn't help anything. So no, no. Well, that was that was a mulligan. They, they don't come back. It was very cold. Win or loss? Um, oh God. They're gonna lose. Well, they're actually gonna win. Dan? Okay. You... They're not very good. I don't think they're gonna win, but I mean, I all right, here's what I'm gonna put something out there. I think they're most likely to play the Buccaneers, and I don't think they beat the Buccaneers because Nick Foles is not walking through that door and Tom Brady's gonna beat everyone else. Whoa. Um so this is not even meant as a shot at Hurts. It's just that Tom Brady only loses to Nick Foles. If we play the Rams, which is still possible, we would need the Rams to win today against the Niners, and we would need the Falcons to beat the Saints. I would say we beat the Rams. Mm, interesting. Okay. I like it. Um there's all that weird shit with Antonio Brown, you know, lingering over the team, barbarians. Uh, I think it's going to linger. Um, all right. Predicting this week's games, Emily, update the standings. Well, we all picked three wins and we all got three wins, right? That happened. So now me and Steve are at 22 and 16 and Dan is at a cool 500, 19 and 19. Got it. All right, this week, the Sixers play home against Charlotte and Boston, and then they play at Miami. Uh, First up will be uh, Emily. All right, so for the past five games, I have selected them to win, and it's been working. So I'm going to continue to select them to win until it stops working. So I'm saying three wins. Wow. I am going to say they're going to win at Charlotte. Oh, I'm sorry. They're going to win. The home games against Charlotte and Boston, they're going to lose at Miami. Dan. Uh, yeah, 3-0. and Never yeah. losing again. Never losing again. I love it. I'm at me. That's it. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, Emily, have a wonderful um, honeymoon. Our love to Jordy. Um, safe flight to and fro. How long will you be there? Um, like four whole days ish. Okay, enjoy a long weekend situation. The Seventy Sixers play Houston tomorrow as well. What? Yes. <laughs> you tell me this now. There's uh, another game. I oh, see. I saw it on the re- or the rundown, and I was like, "Does he know?" Doesn't doesn't know. You know, yeah, they play four games. I'm so four now, four now, four now. All right, so add another win for me. Okay. Thank you so much, Drew. Wow. (laughs)
thank oh god, god this is the episode that we brought that drew has joined us because thank that would god. have been a big embarrassing right. for you wow how embarrassing yes they will beat houston again um <laughs> <laughs> wow thank god all right yeah so i say three and one you guys say four and oh um which would right. be a 10 game winning streak jesus christ pretty good i like it uh subscribe to the feed uh at gastro blues pod uh emily at third and girl uh steve j Lipman, da pelts 13 um thank you to drew always we'll be back with you next week not emily but we will and uh that's it we love you thanks everybody goodbye I love